Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all, depends on what's in it for them. They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash, they lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash. Succeed or fail, it adds to the tale, dungeons and debacles starts now. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. I'm your host and Dungeon Master, Kevin. Going around the table, Blake. Hi, I'm Blake, and I'll be playing Juliet, the Dragonborn Eldritch Knight slash wizard. And Shane. Hi, I'm Shane. I'm playing Alexander, the uh, human bard and wizard. And John. Hello, playing Lunadas, Elven Monk, slightly evil. And Hannah. I'm Hannah, and I'll be playing Talia, the human rogue. So the last time on Dungeons & Debacles podcast... You had uh, ran into a beast folk named Leto that you discovered was the brother or let's say clone of Vito. He was one of the experiments of Cassock Stonefoot, who you've been tracking down as the Amulet of Dominion Thief. In talking to Cassock, you've discovered that the reason he stole it was he's been creating these clones uh, in an effort to create an army in the upcoming war against Ruin. Uh, he's been using these tiny water elementals that uh, you've seen one in a jar that he's been summoning and implanting into the heads of these beast folk to control them. Um, you had uh, a fight with Kasich. Uh, you defeated him. You defeated his uh, beast folk children, uh, or at least four of them. Um, you know, there's many more that he's been creating that aren't here. Um, you were also able to defeat these little tinkerbots uh, that he was creating. Um, Juliet detected magic and uh, found all the magical items in the room, and you've looted those along with some uh, alchemical components that Kasich uh, was making, such as uh, acids and uh, alchemist fire. And you also leveled up. Everybody is now level five. Uh, if you want to hear what everybody chose and more information on their characters and backgrounds, you can go back and listen to the episode right before this called Level Five. Um, so at this point, uh, what are you guys doing? You sticking around? I think we should loot the rest of the cave and then skedaddle. I agree. I, I don't think we should stick around too long because uh, there are only four brothers here and they don't appear to go far beyond the cave and uh, I don't want to be here when the rest show up and find their father person dead. Yeah, I we feel, don't know. If we... Go ahead. I feel like uh, Kasich picked this location for a reason and it might be he's obviously been left alone for a very long time. Are we sure that they're even going to pose as much a threat? Well, I mean, like, I almost died because of the stupid beast folk, so I'm not too keen on facing them again when I'm, you know, so injured. Kasich was left alone for a long time before 
he stole the amulet of the minute. So we should probably not stick around. That is to say, the tower will be coming after him, close behind us. Ah, good point. So at this point, uh, Tali brought up a good point that you're uh, injured. Uh, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to try to get out of here and try to heal up or do something about it now? Well, if Adel has any healing available, he should probably use that. Yep, he's, uh, he says, uh, yeah, I can, I can help you out. And he's going to use, uh, lay on hands and he's going to give back, uh, tell you how many you down. I'm down to 10. Okay. So he's going to give you, let me see what his, uh, lay on hands is. It's, uh, 25. So, um, he's going to give you, uh, 10 and he's going to give himself five and 10 to, uh, Juliet. Unfortunately, I don't recall how many hit points a Lunadas had because I replaced the token because you gave us shiny new tokens. <laughs> I'm not sure you even got hit. Uh, it looks like, uh, you've got 36. Well, um, the total would now be 45. I don't know how many how much damage he took last time is what I'm saying. That's why we write these things down. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Alright, so uh, he's going to give you that healing and uh, so you guys walking out of the cave? Yeah. Uh, we're going to loot the rest of it. I believe Talia suggested there's a room on the left side we haven't been to. You are going over here to where I'm pinging? That is correct. Okay, so uh, before you even uh, get into this room, you can smell it. Uh, it smells like a latrine, and uh, as you enter, you discover that's exactly what it is. That's a small bucket for so many beast folk. It's probably why it smells so bad. Yeah, and uh, Beetle wasn't the tidiest of people. Well, you All gotta- that honey just sort of bound him up. You uh, got to think uh, in within that square. That's probably about a two foot in diameter bucket. So pretty big bucket. Okay. Well, I think we've looted all we can, at least from here. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and get out of here. It does look like there might be some food. Oh yeah, the uh, boar is the boar is still roasting on the spit. If uh, you guys want to grab that, there's also uh, some vegetables and uh, tubers in here. Um, you also see some bed rolls and blankets that are in this room. Um, over here in the right, there's also um, some like yarn and textiles. Um, it looks like they were making their own clothing. Uh, and you also see a table over here that has various uh, like uh, cutting tools on it, like knives and cleavers and such that they were using to prepare their food. And you even see a, uh, two short swords. Is this a keg of ale? If you want to investigate it, you can find out. So, um, I'm not going to make you roll or anything, but, uh, it's water. Oh. Uh, I think we should gather up as many supplies as we can and hit the road. So, uh, you would be able to gather as much of, uh, this, uh, boar over here that you want. I mean, they would probably be good for um, for your group 
maybe six or seven mils. Booyah, and we have a cart to carry it in, so let's do that. That sounds like a great idea. Um, there's also um, stuff in here for... Um, there's wood and kindling for making fire and stuff like that. And like I said, various uh, like uh, vegetables over here, cooked and non-cooked, that uh, you could add to your rations. Absolutely. So we'll say we'll say that uh, you gather all that stuff up and uh, you're good to go. All right. Perfect. We load everything onto Edel and ride him off into the sunset. <laughs> Never to be seen again. He grumbles about it. <laughs> He's like, I don't know why I have to carry it all. I'm a noble. You killed your dad. I think you lost your title. <laughs> You don't know that. Uh, well, you do know that. Or at least he said he did. <laughs> did we ever get paid for that? Uh, you did. It was a thousand gold pieces. All right. Okay. So uh, I guess you guys are making your way towards the exit. Correct. Yep. Okay. So we're going to say you make it down here to this uh, central chamber again. We're Lido stopped before, and everybody give me a perception check. Balls. Okay, so uh, Juliet and Hannah, you are going to hear that same screeching uh, that you heard before, but it's louder, and it seems to be coming from um, the west through that uh, big hole uh, in the wall. Oh, right. Scorpions. Other things. But uh, you currently don't see anything coming through there. I vote we run. Yeah. Probably the best idea. Okay. It's not keeping Ruin prisoned, so let's just go. <laughs> okay, so you guys are going to make your way out um, through these tunnels in the caves. And you exit the cave, and when you exit, you see that there's about eight beast vault at various distances from the entrance. And some of them have collapsed, and some appear to be dead, and others are stumbling around like they're drunk, and they don't uh, appear to notice you at all. Looks like what's-his-name's control died with him. Well, that's good. Shall we finish the job? Eh. They're not a threat to us. Let's just go. Isn't that a cave on the left? Yeah, we heard scratching from it. We decided we're not now, to fight. Yeah, we're now out of the cave. We're just still on the map. Yeah, so we are going to leave the Beast Folk where they are. If they're stumbling around and stuff, that's just too bad. If they're dead, they're probably only holding fleas, so let's not put those in our inventory. Agreed. <laughs> Once again, not our problem. <laughs> Alright, so at this point, the world is yours. What are you doing? The amulet was sing? in the. <laughs> the amulet was in uh, the magical items that we found, right? Correct. Yes, we have the. Yeah, uh, we should probably just go and head back to the city to give that to what's her name. Um, I don't think going back to the city is a good idea. Yeah. Um, the Watson faces, companions were in the city when we left. If they're still, you know, running around there, we don't want to meet them at all. At all at all. 
And also, never at any point did Ares Goldsmith uh, say that uh, you had to return the Amulet of Dominion to her. Yep. She was just uh, helping you out for this, and you never, I don't think you ever asked her why. Because she's a good and faithful servant of Ruin. Uh Uh-huh. We totally believe that. Yep, yep, yep. So let's just go after the next amulet. Or artifact. Define next. We have a few directions we can go with the leads we have. Or at least the history behind them. Very true. So you're all having this discussion out in front of this cave, and one of these uh, beast folk that uh, looks drunk starts to stumble toward you. Elimdas puts his hand on the beast folk's forehead and just sort of, you know, stands there, you know, like older brother, little brother. (laughs) So he's going to uh, try to take a swing at you, and that is a two. He is flailing about and tries to throw a punch at you, and just it's one of those things where, like, you're a grown man and, like, there's a little kid trying to take a swing at you, but you got your hand on his forehead and he's just swinging at air. Also, Alunadas is a tiny little elf, and he's a giant beast man, so this must look hilarious. <laughs> hey, what was the amulet? That was Talia, right? Uh, I think it went into the bag of holding with all of the other uh, magical items we found. Yeah. Gotcha. Might be worth the test run, if you will. Agreed, but not here. Let's, uh, let's take a quick walk in some direction away from here. Maybe cover our tracks a bit. And then rest, heal up, and test it there. Oh, I was just saying, test it with the guy who's right in front of us so he doesn't follow us anywhere else. Oh, okay. Give it a shot. I toss the amulet over to Julia. Biggest mistake. No. Uh, <laughs> Julia's gonna take a look at the amulet and hold it out at this beast folk. And I command thee, stop where. Thou arst. It just uh, does this drunk, grumbling, like, roar at you. And nothing seems to happen. Aludidas takes his hand off the beast folk's forehead, steps aside, lets him fall down. (laughs) Okay, so he falls uh, face first into the dirt. That's just good. He's uh, lying in the dirt there, just like have you ever fall, fallen as a grown-ass person on the ground? You know how bad it hurts? And you just yeah. lie there, you know, for a minute? That's what's going on. All right, we'll have to test the amulet at some other point. But uh, I do feel bad for the beast folk. Juliet's going to try and put him out of his misery and uh, safely attempt to dispatch of him at a distance with her halberd. Okay. Um, it's going to be a coup de grace. Sounds good. So you just. Do I need to roll for that or just automatic? No, I mean, he's totally defenseless. You're just going to split his skull open with uh, Halberd. Yeah. Alright. Perfect. We also have that coin, the one we took from Kasich. That is true. Also, it's coup de grace. Sure. So are you going to try using the coin? I believe Talia has it, maybe? I think it went in the bag of holding. I actually don't remember if I grabbed it or not. 
Um, like I personally grabbed it. I know it went into the bag of. I know it went with all of our magical items. I think the coin's in there. Oh. Who wants the coin? You're the magic users. Uh. Do I need to cast identify on this coin and know exactly what it does again? You have a pretty good idea what it does, considering uh, you were in combat. We uh, saw him use it. Yes. <laughs> we just don't know if there are command words or anything like that. Maybe when we're resting up, we can experiment with these things and try and figure out how to use them. Yeah. So, let's head back to camp. Uh, as you said, to maybe <laughs> change our camping position a little more out of the way and... Take um, a rest along with our horses. I think that that guy at the tavern said that there was a place ten miles north of here that we could find an inn, possibly. At, le- at the very least, I think we should head in that direction. Yes, yes. Um, what time of day is it, Kevin? Uh, at this point right now, um, it's probably getting on towards uh, 8 o'clock at night. Okay, so we can't get far before it gets completely dark. So let's just go a mile or two, get away from here a bit, and you know, camp for the night. So you can either head north or and make your camp, or at this point, you could probably make it back to Brown Meadow before it gets too late if you want to go that route. We do have a distinct advantage going back. They think we're the companions, or at least the innkeeper does. Yeah, but the rest of the town hates us. I don't think the rest of the town are in a position to do anything about it. Fair. Alright, so we're going to head back to town. I feel like it'd be a lot safer to be attacked by a whole bunch of common rabble than to find some sort of stalking nightmare in the middle of nowhere. suppose that makes sense. Let's go. Alright, so you guys head back to Brown Meadow, and as you enter the town, there doesn't appear to be any town folk out on the streets. They're probably in for the night, having their evening meal and getting ready to turn in. So I'm guessing you're heading back to Mutters. That is correct. So you make it back to Mutters and you see Doug. Looks like he's closing up for the night. And he sees you enter and he's like, Oh, the companions, you're back. Didn't think I'd see you again. Was getting ready to close up. Do you need the rooms for the night? We do, if you could, kind sir. Well, they're already made up for you. Are you eating dinner? We've already had ours. I think there may be some leftovers that I could run over to the house and grab. No, I actually think we're fine for the moment, unless anybody else wants some. I'm fine. I'm fine. Fine as well. All right, well, you're already paid up with us. Perfect. We'll make our way up there. We really appreciate your cooperation and your help in our adventures. Anything to help the companions. This will be a story I'll tell my grandkids. Will you be needing breakfast in the morning? Yes, please. I'll have it ready for you. So with that, uh, he's going to tip his hat to you and leave the inn. It's very trusting just leaving you there and going home, but there's really not anything here to steal well then shall we we shall shall what go and rest clean up go to sleep ah yes that, these yes. particular acquisitions 
So uh, you could probably pull out the boar and make yourselves a evening meal of some potatoes and some roast boar. And you can hit the bed anytime that you want. Do you want to uh, take any time tonight to look at the stuff that you found in the workshop? Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, identify as many things as possible. Uh, Let me look at my things. Yeah, so I I pretty much have... I can identify everything. I have uh, four, seven... I have nine uh, slots that I can use for identify. Okay, well, there's probably only three or four things here that you would need to identify. Yeah. And we'll just say that you uh, can do our counter checks for the rest of it. Yeah. I'll just go and use identifying the... Uh, three or four things that we don't know about. Okay, so I just pasted a link to a Google Doc that everybody can check out the items. So, first up is the Amulet of Dominion, um, which you know is an artifact of the Saviors. Let me look up exactly what that does real quick. It's on the website if anybody would like to look at it. Uh, Legend says the amulet has the power to control the minds of hundreds, if not thousands, if used by a powerful enough wizard. It can also cast uh, geese at ninth level uh, to all creatures within sight of the caster. Creatures normally immune to charm effects are affected. Must be able to cast ninth level wizard spells. Um, The next thing it can do is user can hold two concentration spells at the same time once per long rest the next thing it does is plus two to all saves and it stacks with other power bonuses and the last thing it does is cast banishment at ninth level dc 25 instead of targeting multiple creatures the spell banishes the target permanently to the abyssal plane the next thing uh, that you're going to look at is the brass disc with the green button which is uh, what Kasich had. And that does Command Water Elemental, DC 8. The next thing is the Coin of Eavesdropping. It appears to be a copper coin, and as long as it is on the same plane of existence, the bearer can hear through this item as if they were present. And that requires attunement. Um, The next thing is a Burlap Sack. Uh, It is a sack of endless rope. You can choose the width of the rope uh, up from twine to four inches. The next thing is a dagger of throwing, uh, plus one. It returns to the sender after throwing and requires attunement. Uh, The next thing is a light crossbow, plus one. And that just works as a light crossbow and you get a plus uh, one to hit and damage. After that, you're going to find uh, three bolts that were beside the crossbow. Uh, They do uh, 1d4 electrical damage. Next after that is the Quill of Never-Ending Ink, which does exactly what it says it does. It never runs out of ink. Next is a brass disc with a red painted button on it that emits a piercing screech for 1d20 seconds. As uh, you're going through here, you're seeing there's like a, a lot of stuff that may be kind of useful, but not. And this is one of those items. You have no idea what it would have been used for. 
The uh, next thing is a pillbox sound recorder that can record sounds up to five seconds long. Uh, the next is a jar of minor water elemental summoning that once per long rest summons a very minor water elemental AC8 minus five to hit and does zero damage. And this is the uh, jar that Kasich was pointing to that he was summoning these uh, tiny water elementals he called nymphs. Uh, the next thing is one of the more useful items is a ring of spell story. You can store two first level spells or one second level spell once per long rest in the uh, ring. Uh, it could be used by anyone if they know the command word for each spell. Uh, next thing is Sovereign Glue. It contains 1d6 ounces. Each ounce can cover one square foot and the bond can only be broken by a universal solvent oil of etherealness or a wish spell uh, after that is universal solvent and it dissolves all adhesives uh, the next one is you don't know why he had still have this around but it is a flawed immovable rod uh, DC 5 the rod slowly falls one foot per minute so it works like an immovable rod but every time that you use it you have to roll a d20 and if it's five or below it's going to slowly fall for one uh, one foot per minute. Uh, the next is cool pillowcase. Both sides are always cool to the touch. The next is uh, these uh, wool gloves that are gloves of warmth, and they're always warm as if left in the sun, which is handy if you're in a living in a dank cave. Uh, the next item. Um, seems kind of lame, but if you were like a Bower Fletcher, uh, it would be extremely handy to you. Um, it is a dowel that's the size of an arrow shaft that when it's broken in half, both parts regrow to full length. Duplicates can't be broken and reform, only the original. So it can be used once? No, you can use it as many times as you want. Okay, so one of the two can be broken again. The second one cannot correct okay so you could sit there with this thing and just like keep breaking the original and just make dowels what's a dowel wooden rod it's uh, about the size of an arrow shaft no but what is it it's a wooden it's rod a, it's a cylinder cylindrical rod okay think of an arrow shaft like about half an inch across maybe three feet long yeah, just think arrow shaft. That's what it is. And when you break it, it reforms. Uh, the next thing is the rod of sand finding. You'll, you always know the direction and distance of the nearest sand. It's a, a component of water <laughs> elemental summoning. So that would have been handy for him. Uh, the next is thimbles of metal bending, which uh, this is two um, silver thimbles. And you can bend metal objects up to a hardness of steel up to an eighth of an inch thick with uh, no effort whatsoever. So you think he was probably using this to uh, tinker around and form metal without um, having to forge it or have a blacksmithing uh, set up. Uh, the next is a scroll that is the scroll of dictation. Uh, the scroll will write what you say on it in common or dwarvish as long as those languages are spoken to it. And then the non-magical stuff is uh, you found two jars of alchemist fire uh, that do 3d6 uh, damage. 
each, and one jar of acid that does 3d6 damage. Uh, you were familiar with those because that's what uh, Kasich was whipping around at you. And then three smoke bombs uh, that create uh, a cloud of 15 foot square uh, that gives you three quarters cover. Uh, and then people will have disadvantage on attacks through it and perception checks. And then you also found 50 gold. So that's everything that you found in uh, Kasich's uh, workshop. That is a ton of stuff. We are going to have to have like an entire episode of who gets what. Yeah, but most of it's just entirely useless. <laughs> like, are you guys? I, I don't know. That? You technically just gave us infinite money, endless rope, endless wooden rods. I mean, it's only a few coppers at a time, but infinite money. <laughs> I have a feeling we could probably work for more money than we could just trying to pull this stuff out all day, every day. Well, you know who you need to hire. <laughs> fantasy accountants. Perfect. Which is the uh, fantasy sponsor. Uh, from uh, last week's episode. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so we have a ton of stuff, and we will distribute that. Is there anything anyone wants, like right now, so we can get that out of the way? Uh, mostly for the magical stuff. I have a feeling we're not going to be able to use most of it, like Kevin said. But there's certainly some stuff here that is quite uh, powerful. Yeah, or like quite eavesdropping. Can we hear anyone? Do we have to know anything specific about them, or? So basically the way that this coin would work is you have to be attuned to it and then you can drop it off. Let's say for instance that uh, you were uh-huh. in like um, someone's like lair or like a, a shopkeeper's office or something like that. If you're attuned to the coin, you could leave that coin somewhere and they can either pick it up or it's somewhere that they can't find it. And you're able to hear through that coin what that coin can hear, as long okay. as it's on the same plane. All right, so it it's okay. Much much more uh, in tune with our level than what I was thinking. <laughs> um, speaking of the coin of eavesdropping, I would like that uh, because I think I'd be the best at hiding it somewhere, as well as the cool pillowcase. You should probably also get the uh, dagger. Yeah. And looks like Alexander should get the crossbow. Mm-hmm. And then the two wizards can fight over the uh, ring. You can have the ring. I'll take the amulet. Yep. <laughs> and the rest of it we'll put into the bag of holding until we need it at some point. Yep. Indeed. Until we can sell it to some dinkus, basically. <laughs> <laughs> But other than that, Kevin, we are going to take our long rest and hopefully wake up unrobbed and nice and refreshed. All right. So uh, everybody's going to get their hit points back. And the uh, the next morning, you're going to hear um, somebody moving around uh, out in the front part of the inn. Wait, wait. Nothing happened with Shane slash Alexander? <gasps> Not tonight. Weird. There is a method to this madness that... Uh, you don't know, but uh, I would say thanks for metagaming, John, but uh, it hasn't even been brought up in the game because it's in the secret channel, so uh, thanks for podcast metagaming, since that's the only place you would have heard it. So uh, as you get up, uh, you'll see that it's Doug out in the front room, and he has a mill of porridge and some toasted bread for you. He's like, ah, oh, my companions, I hope you're well rested. We are. Thank you very much. 
it's much appreciated that you were able to help us out. Breakfast and the rest and everything. It's just been quite a pleasure. Ah, the pleasure is all mine. Will you be staying with us longer? No, I believe we're going to be heading out now. There are things in the world that need fixing. Ah, yes, there's no rest for heroes. Where will you go now? Oh! We were thinking maybe to the southeast. Uh, give me a deception check. So, uh, with a 13, he gives you kind of a, a look and he says, well, your counsel is your own. And then uh, he sits out some bowls and uh, skips out some porridge. He says, it isn't much, but it will stick with you all day. Yay, finally, vegetarian. <laughs> it's got a ham in it. <laughs> what kind of porridge has ham? <laughs> Dwarven porridge. Kind. Yeah, dwarven porridge. So uh, I judge them. He uh, sets you up and says, uh, "Well, if there won't be anything else, I've, I've got to run some errands for the mistress." I think we'll be fine. All righty then. Fair travels to you, adventurers. And with uh, that, he is going to exit the inn. All right, let's eat our breakfast and hit the road. Yes, indeed. But I'm where just... are we heading north, right? Yes, I think that's the closest of the ambulance. Their artifacts coming up. Uh, before we leave, can I for the uh, the ring that I've got? Do I have to be attuned before I can ingrain it with the spell? Uh, yes, you do. Okay. And how long is the attunement process? Uh, it's a short rest, but we'll just say that uh, you attuned it overnight. Okay. Uh, would it be possible if, for me to attune a level two uh, evocation spell to it now before we leave? Uh, you can, but you're gonna. It's going to take a spell slot anyway, because you're doing it after a long rest. Okay, so, like, uh, I would just be down a spell slot of that level? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, so, you can put the spell in there, but since it's after you've taken a long rest, uh, you're still going to spend that slot. So, let's just say that uh, you did it last night that you just put the spell in it, so you're not going to lose a spell slot. Okay. Because uh, you would understand how that works. Right. Yeah, I want to put Flame Blade uh, attuned to it. Ooh. All right. So um, we'll say uh, the night before you cast Flame Blade into the ring and there's like a kind of a, a hum and a slight red glow for an instant in the ring and then it goes away. Okay. Can I have attuned to the daggers or the dagger of throwing? Absolutely. So you guys are currently in Brown Meadow, where I'm pinging on the map here. You've decided that the closest place you're going to next uh, will be the Bonebreaker camp. Is that correct? Yep. Um, yes, on Mount Smolder, I think it was. Yeah, that's the last known location of the Girdle of Heroes. That was the artifact that uh, um, Borsh Bonebreaker had created. Yes which you learned a little bit about that um, from the book that you got from the mayor of Kala and from the uh, half orcs on the grass isle. Let's say uh, you check out the, uh, the book again, uh, you're reading up on it and uh, the girdle of heroes was created by one of the few half orc wizards of any renown, the abjurer and eldritch warrior Borscht Bonebreaker, also called Borscht the honored scorched. 
He was known as much for his wicked greatsword as he was for his arcane knowledge. Borscht live in the unforgiving lands near the volcano Mount Sunder. Legends say Borscht was an advisor to his chief and came about his knowledge through hundreds of spellbooks and items to increase his intelligence, looted from the corpses of adventuring wizards that stumbled into the Bonebreaker clan's territory. Many of the half-works ridiculed Borscht behind his back for his studies, and the shaman thought his magic was unnatural. That stopped after the first several honor killings. Borsch was no great fighter, and had created a belt to help him destroy his detractors. Many thought this was cheating and unhonorable, but they kept those thoughts to themselves. When the call was sent to gather the great wizards of the world to fight ruin, Borsch jumped at the chance. When he met with the other wizards, many laughed. That was until he cast Wish, and they were suddenly naked as their robes fell to the ground. Borsch thought it was a great joke. Other proud wizards did not, but his power could not be denied. In the final stroke that banished Ruin, the ancient dragon let loose a torrent of fire, and Borsch, being the proud half-orc he was, took the brunt of the flame. Borsch was engulfed in flame, and if it were not for the quick-acting cleric, he would have died. The cleric saved his life, but Borsch lost an eye to the attack and was scarred over his entire body. Borsch wore these scars in honor as a reminder of the greatest battle ever fought. Borsch returned to his home and was killed in an honor fight after a teen, sick of hearing of Borsch's battle with Ruin, called him a liar. Pride cometh before the fall, and with that pride, in short temper, it led Borsch to grab his greatsword and attack the boy without his powerful girdle. The teen, who was quick of step and strong of shoulders, cleaved Borsch and Twain with a great axe. Bards say the girdle was probably unused and discarded in a chest somewhere in the Bonebreaker's keep, because no half-orc is smart enough or powerful enough to use it. Everyone knows shamans are superstitious and have little need for such trinkets. So, so from the stories, you think that uh, it would be located somewhere... Uh, near Mount Sol- Smolder, if not in the uh, Bonebreaker camp. Well, this is going to be fun to retrieve. Well, you weren't there, but uh, previous experience would uh, lead the rest of the party to believe that uh, these half-orcs can be uh, kind of prickly from their experience on the Grass Isle. We also know that they won't have any use for that girdle. At least not the honest ones. Probably not. There's not too many uh, half-orc wizards out there. So, you are in Brown Meadow, and you guys would... uh, Everybody give me a history check. So, Juliet would kind of know um, from looking at some of the maps that you've seen um, that the quickest way to Mount Solder would be uh, Overland. Uh, which would take her uh, up past the uh, the Black Step and into uh, Soul Sunder, which is the country to the northeast. Um, she would also know that there is a trading path uh, that goes through here, but many don't use um, much anymore um, because it leads to Brown Meadow. So much hate for a fictional village. 
Yep. Most of the, the larger um, uh, countries will go down um, through this river past uh, Asheville to Waterbend and then travel either up the river to the north or down to Corpeth. So um, I guess uh, after you eat breakfast, are you gathering up your things? Are you doing anything else in Brown Meadow or are you going to head to uh, Mount Smolder? Probably start heading to Mount Smolder after getting our things together. Let's hit the road. Unless we want to like kill everyone. Seems kind of like a thing we'd do. Seems unnecessary. Uh, Adel says, we should just burn this place to the ground. <laughs> okay, fam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll say uh, everybody gets their stuff together and uh, packs their stuff up on uh, the horses and the cart. And uh, you set off uh, up towards the north. So as you're traveling, you're going to see to the east of you. There are these uh, black hills, and they climb up in the distance. And this is what's known as the uh, Black Step. And even though that you're probably um, 30 or 40 miles away from it, uh, you can see it rise up in the distance. So um, you think it's a pretty, t- it's a pretty uh, uh, fast-rising plateau that rises above the desert and up into the uh, country of Soul Sunder. Uh, you know that uh, the capital is up on that plateau. You head off to the Bonebreaker camp, which was the last known location of the next artifact, the Girdle of Heroes. You're in Soul Center now, and although it's technically part of that country, no one really claims or cares about this area that you're in because it's a desert wasteland and there's no resources or there's nothing that can really grow out here, so nobody really cares about it. And they're definitely not patrolling it. Uh, everybody give me a history check. I really know my history, you know. <laughs> history oh, <yeah>. buff. <laughs> Those years of missing school have definitely taught me a lot. Um, so, Lunadosh, you had a 10. <laughs> uh, you would know that uh, there's nomads. This place is called Black Step because it's black and people like to step on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you would know that there's some nomads out here in the waste, um, but uh, they're out here because they don't want to pay taxes uh, to King Armand II, who is the king of Soul Sunder. Basically, anybody that can eke out a life out here is welcome to it. They're, uh, the nomads are basically thought of as uh, barbarians, and they're left to their own. You journey through this desert for uh, a little over a week, and the journey is boring, and there's not much to see other than some hills in the distance and some sand. Lots and lots of sand. There's loose sand, hard packed sand, white sand, brown sand, red sand, sand sand, sand. You're becoming an expert at sand, because that's the only thing to look at, except the heat mirages in the distance, which are kind of cool. Sometimes you think there's cities and villages over the horizon, but it's just the heat playing tricks on your eyes. The days are hot, and the nights are freezing, and there's very little to burn here. There's some scrub here and there, but not enough to build much more than a small cook fire uh, to cook uh, some beans or some potatoes or to warm up the uh, boar you got from Cassock's Cave. Uh, The cold means you aren't getting a lot of good sleep, 
and you think a warm bed sounds really nice about now stars are nice at night and it seems you can see forever in all directions uh, you watch the archer and the dragon the brightest constellations pass overhead as you find sleep each night about two nights in Alexander I am going to need you to give me a wisdom check as you lie down and sleep for the night 21 Great. crit so um, you are going to start having that dream that you've been having um, but uh, you're able to take control and shut the dream out of your mind and have a restful night's sleep. Okay. You guys travel for a few more days, and there isn't any game here uh, to hunt, and you're pretty glad to have the boar at this point, uh, but it's starting to run out, and along with the potatoes, so you've switched over to some of the uh, trail rations that you had. There's some small lizards and snakes and scorpions that you've seen, but not anything you'd want to bother to chase down to kill and eat. Uh, there's also it isn't any berries or herbs for Lunados to eat. So um, most of your meals are going to consist of uh, beans and bread, and it's beginning to go down pretty hard. The call of nature is also awkward out here because there's not even a tree or a decent-sized bush to squat behind. And after about six days, you are deep in the desert, and there's no road here, and you've been navigating by the sun and stars at this point, and the silence here is eerie. You only hear the sound of the horse's feet and grunts and their tack, and the wind sweeping across the desert. Any conversation you can muster was exhausted about two days ago. Not that any of you were a talkative lot anyway. So, uh, what have you been doing for the past five days, or six days, as you've been traveling out here? Playing with Abbott. Training Abbott. He's a constant source of entertainment. Juliet, did you uh, ever look at those uh, spell books? Uh, yes, I did. And if I haven't looked at the rest of them, uh, Juliet is going to do so. Alright, do you have the uh, what you found in the books? Yes, I certainly do. Unfortunately, a lot of them are pretty high level, so I could not scribe them. And even if I could, it would take a large amount of gold to do so with the magic inks required. I'm trying to find, trying to find the spells that you had that were in those books. They're in my character sheet, all the way at the bottom in the treasure section. If you scroll all the way down, they're right above the amulet dominion. Okay. Uh, you want to read those off? Uh, yes. So the first spell book, uh, I'm going to do them in level order from highest to lowest. One of them contains level 9 spells, power word kill, psychic scream, time stop. Another book is similar, level 9 spells, true polymorph, shape change, and mass polymorph. Next lowest one is 7th level spells, Mornkind's Magnificent Mansion, Prismatic Spray, and Finger of Death. Next one are two level 5 books, Gias. You know how to pronounce that. Dominate person and modify memory. Second book has hold monster, immolation, and legend lore. The next one is a level four book of stone shape, secret chest, and arcane hand. And the remainder two are level twos. Detect thoughts, darkness, crown of madness, enlarge, reduce, knock, locate object, and gentle repose. So we'll say uh, over these six days, you're looking through these spell books and 
figuring out exactly what they are, even though at this point you can't use them. So you're kind of cataloging what's in each book. Alunidas and Hannah are training Abbott over those couple of days. Uh, Alexander, what are you doing? I guess I'm just awkwardly playing music. (laughs) Playing my bagpipes into the wind of the sands. And uh, Adel's going to come over to uh, Talia and says, Do you mind if I pet your dog? As long as you do it gently. He kneels down on uh, one leg and starts, uh, like, petting the dog almost, like, too hard. And then he lets up and starts, like, scritching um, Abbott under the chin. Yeah, like that. He, he likes that. He says, he's a good dog. He's going to grow he up and be... He's a good pupper. He's going to grow up to be a great warrior someday. That's the hope. Um, by now, uh, I think that he would at least know a couple of basic commands, like sit and stay and heal. Yeah, you're uh, training him with like pieces of pork left over from uh, dinner each night. Oh, I bet he loves that. So uh, he, he's getting some of these commands down, but um, you know, sometimes he gets it, sometimes he doesn't. He's a really young pup. You guys uh, finished for the night, and I'm assuming you're traveling uh, during the day? Yeah. If at all possible. Okay. So, uh, the next day you get up, and you travel probably maybe three or four miles, and uh, who's leading the group at this point? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put the meat shield in front, and maybe Juliet and Lunada share the rear. Okay, so we'll say uh, Adel's out in front, and uh, he's riding his horse, and things are entirely uneventful, and then suddenly uh, Adel's horse rears back, and I'm going to make him do an animal handling check. (laughs) Wow. So that is a natural one. So uh, his horse is going to rear up, and he is going to try to hold on to the reins but that pulls the horse's head back even further and the horse is going to do like this really fast circle and is going to throw Adel to the ground and as he hits the ground you see uh, what the horse was uh, spooked about and as he's thrown forward he hits the ground and the sand begins to rapidly fall away and a pit opens up in the ground and underneath him underneath him so he is uh i want to make him do a athletic check to see if i can he can stop himself from falling all the way down so that's a nine even with a setup a seven in athletics um so he as he's falling down um he like lands on his shoulder and uh he uh he hurts his shoulder a bit that you can see and he starts to slide down into this uh, this pit where all the sand's falling uh, down into uh, this hole, and he's like clawing for purchase up on top of the uh, of the hole in the ground, but uh, is not really getting anything. So he starts to slide even further and further, and then uh, you see his uh, hand disappear down into the hole, and he shouts, "Help!" Uh, where's that uh, thing of endless rope? Do we really have to help him? I mean, just throwing it out there. At the very <laughs> least, he's a good meat shield. But, I mean, come on. 
we we like him. We tolerate him. Mm. Well, uh, Juliet's gonna go and hop off her horse and try and retrieve endless rope for Adel. Uh, is he the one with the bag of holding? He yeah, is. that's Alexander. Oh, thank God. Okay. I throw I throw the bag of rope. I wasn't sure if it was in like a different place than my bag of holding. You get down off your horse, and you've got the the bag of endless rope, and you're going to approach this pit that uh, appears to be about uh, 15 foot wide um, in diameter, and uh, you see Adel down at the uh, bottom of the pit on his back, but uh, he's moving. He doesn't appear to be hurt that badly. Um, He fell 20 feet, so he is going to take three points of damage. And uh, he appears to be, like, slowly getting up. And uh, are you going to throw a rope to him? Yep. I guess. Does he see anything down there? Um, so you throw the, the rope down to him. Are you asking him if he sees anything? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> Adel uh, gets to his knees and uh, he grabs the rope um, that Bl- Juliet's thrown down to him says uh looks like a pit to me and then he turns around and says appears to be some sort of tunnel down here and some glittery stuff he's going to reach down with his hand and like uh work it through the sand and he pulls up uh what appears to be a gold coin and that's when he starts digging frantically through the sand looking for more (laughs) so yeah he's going to start digging around and he finds like a platinum piece and then he finds a silver piece and he's going to shut up there's all kinds of money down here and I'm going to have him do an investigation check so uh, he rolled a 16 and uh, so what Adel's going to see is there is a tunnel uh, that opens up that's about 20 feet wide and all on a 20 uh the tunnel itself is about 20 feet wide in diameter and uh, it opens up and slopes down into the sand and he's seeing glints of uh, these coins in the sand coming off the uh, the sun that's reflecting down off his armor and back into the tunnel he sees like a trail that runs back in there that's like silver and platinum and gold um, they aren't concentrated and they're like spread out here and there so he's going to tell you all that and says, uh, do you guys want to see what else is down here? It appears to be a whole bunch of money. Let's be honest. Adel wouldn't ask. He would just start going after scooping it up by the handful. But we might as well tie our endless rope to the cart, tie the horses to the cart as well, and uh, work our way down into the pit. You know, I don't, I don't know how I feel going to a, an old abandoned uh, tunnel in the middle of the fucking desert you know uh, that doesn't sound like uh, something that I want to do it's like are you a coward look at all the money down here you know money doesn't mean anything if you're dead you know it's super suspicious well, let's give him credit though Adel found a helmet the other day and then managed to tell the ghost to fuck off so maybe he to just be fair, I things. got the ghost to go away <laughs> I'm sure Adel doesn't see it that way. You never know what might be in the middle of a 
suspicious tomb in the middle of nowhere. Could be <laughs> evil ghosts, could be powerful artifacts. Hey, you know, how about this? You scout around in there, and then we'll pull you up with all the treasure you find. He says, well, I'm, I'm, okay. And then uh, he's going to uh, cast, uh, what is it, his uh, charge divinity to create some light. And he is going to go back out into, or down into this tunnel. As he gets down to the lowest point of it, uh, the tunnel's about uh, 30 feet or 50 feet underground. And he's finding all kinds of silver and platinum coins down here. The trail goes back for about 75 uh, or 75 or 80 uh, feet at the back of the length. And at the back of the cave, Adel's going to see a decent pile of coins and gems and some other items piled up towards the back. And he is going to start gathering this stuff up and uh, put it in a bag. And let's see. I want to have him do an investigation check. Uh, that's a 12. So a 12 is going to get him. Um, he's going to find a small fortune of about 2,000 uh gold worth of uh, gems, silver uh, and platinum there's also a fossilized corpse of what looks like a human with most of its uh, body embedded in the sandstone and floor of the wall Uh, it appears to have been sitting there against the wall when it died and I'm going to have him do a nature check so uh, that's a 5 on his nature check he knows he doesn't know what's going on with this so uh, he's going to walk out back up to the pit of the cave and he's like there's something weird down here you need to check this out I don't know what it is he looks at a skeleton yeah but it's a weird looking skeleton (laughs) alright everyone hold the rope up there I'm going to go down and help Hadel investigate Okay, uh, give me like two seconds before you go down. I'm, I'm gonna cast light on some uh, some random things that we have, like some pebbles or something. So that way you can scatter it around to see. Okie dokie. Like uh, I said, we have a cart to tie rope to so we can work our way down safely. I grab about 15 pieces of uh, of gold and just cast light on each of them. And what are you doing with those? Are you just dropping them into the uh, pit? I'm giving them to Juliet whenever she goes down. Okay. All right, perfect. I hand it over. All right, perfect. With the glowing gold, Juliet is going to descend via rope, hopefully without incident. Uh, give and me an athletics check. You got it. Please don't let me roll as low as eight. Okay. So 16. Uh, yeah, you don't have any problem getting down this rope. Um, so you descend the 20 feet down into this pit and uh, you turn around and look towards the north and you see where this sandstone um, has been carved out into um, a tunnel. Um, it doesn't look like the sandstone was like carved by tools or anything like that, but it doesn't look naturally occurring either that you would think because there's no water running through here that would have uh, dug it out. So if it was carved out by tools, they were really crude. And it was done a long time ago. Hmm. So uh, Adel says, come take a look at this. And uh, he leads you back to this body that he's found up against the uh, 
the back wall of this cave. Give me a nature check. Or investigation, eight, either one you want to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> go ahead. Oh, no, 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 I'm just saying a six. Okay, with the, uh, the six, um... You can't really tell how long this body's been here because of the uh, desert air. It mummifies things, um, but it appears to be ancient and now part of the stone. So if there was some water that carved this out or, you know, some sort of process that the sediments have made this skeleton part of this wall. But even though it's ancient, it's wearing like this um, silvery not armor but like cloth that appears to be in pretty good shape for as old as you think this skeleton is uh, there's also a gold ringer uh, gold ring on the fourth finger of the left hand and uh, give me an investigation check a nine rolling spectacularly so you're also going to notice kind of uh Embedded in some of this uh, stone that it's worked its way into this skeleton's ribcage, that there's a rectangular pendant around its neck uh, with some writing on it. Beside the pendant, underneath the uh, the silvery cloth, there's also a white rectangle that appears to be similar in size to a playing card, uh, but much thicker. It's about a sixteenth of an inch with a symbol on it and it's made out of some material material you haven't seen before and it's slightly buried under a rib bone it's uh, dirty but the ages haven't seemed to touch it there's a lot of remarkably well preserved stuff down here which uh, seems kind of odd how well preserved some of this other stuff is but the skeleton appears to be ancient and fossilized into the wall the amulet on its neck is it possible to read the whole inscription do i have a correct language for it uh you can try sure give me a uh intelligence check hey there we go 22 22 crit so uh you're going to take the pendant and pull it from the around the neck of the skeleton take your finger and wipe off some of the dust and sand from it and it is in a language that you can't read damn it <laughs> if you can doesn't throw somebody... it up here I can read it yeah <laughs> I was about to say doesn't somebody have a language spell yeah okay Juliet's gonna toss it up if uh, you are in range <laughs> yeah you can just tie it to the rope or something I can pull it up and then throw the rope back down okay yeah, we'll get the amulet to you and uh, read away. Yeah, I'll cast Comprehend Language. Okay, so um, you take the pendant and you cast Comprehend Language uh, on it. Nothing seems to happen. And you don't think that you cast the spell incorrectly. You did everything right as far as you know. But as far as the words on the pendant, you can't read them. Uh, does the pendant seem intact like it's still uh, it's preserved the way that it was whenever you died uh, give me a intelligence check 19 um, you think that this is probably survived the ages that this pendant belonged to him but it's just really well preserved 
Okay, I'd like to cast Identify on it. Okay. So you cast Identify, and it's not magical. Just so old it predates written language of some kind. Or something like that. Could be gibberish. Set up as some kind of trap. So... doesn't decode secret messages uh, in a text or a glyph. So... Yeah, whatever it is, uh, this spell can't decipher it. Okay. Ah, I guess we have it now. You got that, and uh, Adel's going to take that uh, white rectangle and the uh, the ring off the hand of that uh, skeleton down there. And uh, as he grabs the uh, the car or that uh, playing card looking thing and the ring off the finger of this. You hear a great whoosh uh, behind you, Juliet and Adel, and dust fills the air inside this cave. And do you still have that light spell up? Yep. It lasts for like an hour. Okay. So this great whoosh of air comes from the back of it. Are you going to turn around and see what's causing that? Absolutely. So the back uh, wall of the cave begins to move, and you see dust being blown out of two holes in the wall. Uh, give me a perception check. Twelve. Um, you see two holes that uh, appear to be spaced uh, about six inches apart. They're about the size of a gold coin, and they appear to be blue. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, Kevin, I love you. <laughs> the holes are blue or the wall around the holes are blue the holes are blue and the, almost as if it was a creature blowing sand out of its nostrils yes alright can everybody see the map yep yes okay so down here to the south is the opening to the pit and Talia Alexander and Eludidas are up here and then underneath here, towards the north, there's Adel and Juliet, and you see a pile of coins over here to the east, and this skeleton uh, over here to the west. Can you see that? All right, so um, the back wall of the cave is going to begin to move, and you see dust being blown out of those holes again. A moment later, the wall begins to crumble into sand to the floor and the head of a young blue dragon punches through it. And it shakes the sand from its face and opens its eyes and says, Normally I would be upset for someone disturbing my slumber, but rarely do my meals come to me. I think that's where we're going to end it. Quick, Oh my god! (laughs) The suspense! Yeah, I'm not going to that hole. You know, it's not a big one. It's a young trip. You know, holes underneath the uh, underneath the desert not quite the best place to rummage around. But there was gold. so much gold <laughs> and platinum and the silver gem. and gems and some weird stuff you found on a skeleton. You have no idea what it is. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. 
New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. The hammer gets you what they owe. Have you or a loved one who is a practitioner of the magical arts been injured by lead-based ink? I'm Hamish the Hammer, and I can get you the gold you deserve. I'm a wizard, and I need nimble fingers and a sharp mind. Lead ink took that from me. There was no warning of the side effects of lead on the bottle, and someone must be held responsible. Going to the town guard or petitioning the leader of your village takes too long when you need gold now. My professional team of negotiators gets to the root of the problem and persuades them to do the right thing. I don't get paid unless you do. Send a raven with a message about your problem to Luskane, care of Hamish the Hammer, for a free consultation. The Hammer gets you what they owe. The music you heard on this episode was Grave Blow, Tempting Secrets, Exotic Battle, Temple of the Mains, Teller of the Tells, Wizard Torium, and Mist on the Moor by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.